Jesus was sent. God sends the Son. And then the Son sends the Spirit to us. And the Spirit sends us on mission. When you embrace that, you're actually in the flow of how you're created, made in the image of God, and God is a sender. And so that's why when a person is on mission, I've never seen somebody come back and not be changed because they're living in the essence of how they were created. Welcome to the Watermark Wesleyan Church Reach and Teach Podcast with your hosts, Randy Johnson and Dan Ward. Welcome to the Reach and Teach Podcast. My name is Randy Johnson. I'm here with my co-host, Dan Ward. And Dan, we got the big guy. Yeah, so Randy and I were talking a while back about what it would look like to get Ken Nash, lead pastor of Watermark Wesleyan Church, to uh, come and join us and share uh, some of his experience, perspective, wisdom with us on missions and outreach and all things related to our Reach and Teach podcast. So he was gracious enough to join us. Ken, thanks so much for being here. Honored to be here. Let's get started with just maybe like a 30,000-foot view of your view of missions and how you feel about it. Missions are um, why I'm in ministry. If we don't keep sharing the gospel with the world, uh, what's the point? We're not just here to uh, take up space and to just go through the motions of life. When, when I met Jesus, uh, I was never the same again. And if uh, God gives us the opportunity to reach any single human being on the planet, I'll go for it. And so if doors open, I've had the spirit of saying, God, if, if you need me there, I'm there. If you need me here, I'm here. I'm available. And that just seems to have opened so many doors through the years. So I love being a part of what Watermark is doing because we have incredible um, opportunities to keep expanding our ministry because we're better together. I'm just curious. I've only been here for a little while. I don't really know even your testimony, how you came to the Lord. You, mm. you had mentioned that. I was just curious. And I know a lot of people in might might be wondering if they haven't heard you talk about that. I was skeptical, um, thinking that I could solve life on my own. Uh, and so I actually took a comparative religions course my freshman year of college. And so I wanted to see, is Buddhism right? Is Hinduism right? Is Islam? Is Native American uh, faith? Ju- Judaism? And, of course, Christianity. Uh, at the end of that class, uh, th- it was becoming clear uh, that there's something different about Christianity. So between my freshman, uh, you know how, like, the first semester and second semester, when you first year of college, you realize you have four weeks off. And I was like, I have four weeks off. Oh, this is fantastic. And I felt compelled to read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, to just get to know the person of Jesus. And because I really still at that point wanted to know, will the real God please stand up? And so I studied over and over, just kept reading them. And I got done with them and I wanted to read them again. And I think I read them three or four times over, wow. that, over that time. And uh, Jesus became real. And that, se- that separated the pack between uh, all the other religions, which is man's attempt to get to God versus relationship, God's attempt to get to us and to change our world. And so Jesus clearly broke into my world and helped uh, break down all my selfishness and all my, you know, just desire to try to solve the world's problems on my, or my own problems on my own. And uh, um, I was fundamentally different. Uh, there, there was a true conversion moment over a period of a month. It wasn't like one night. There was a period of time where I, was, I just knew I was thinking differently and living differently. Uh, he was transforming every sector of my life. And I've ever since just said, I am going to, for the rest of my life, at that point I wanted to be a meteorologist. I was studying for that. 
wanted to study the weather and be that guy on the TV, just, you know, there's a cold front coming through. And, uh, <laughs> and it, it um, was remarkable, the transformation. So I said, I want to do nothing else with my life but share the, the story of Jesus Christ with the world. Because if he's done this much in me, I, I believe he can do it in any and every soul. Because I was a skeptical man, very cynical, um, sarcastic, uh, not bitter at the world, not pessimistic necessarily, but really desperate to figure out life on my own strength. And I gave up because uh, he was real to me, and I believe the world needs to know. So how do you get from there? In, you're already in school, you're already charting your course, and now all of a sudden you take some turn somewhere and mm-hmm. you wind up as a pastor. I know this is not what we're talking about today, but let's connect the dots too. Yeah, good question. I, at that point, started to think about maybe teaching. I thought, okay, maybe I could just become a teacher and then influence the next generation, pour into kids, be a, a football coach, something like that, and uh, just really settle into that. So I really believe God was saying to me, teacher, teacher, teacher. But I think maybe God didn't reveal the PR on the front, the preacher, because mm-hmm. I, I would have run in the other direction because I was bored stiff in church. I couldn't stand the patterns of uh, church politics and the, how boring it was, to be honest. And um, so God didn't reveal preacher for about two years. And so I went after a teaching degree uh, in psychology, was thinking maybe I'd be a professor or a teacher in high school and just build relationships with people that way. And then uh, about two years in, my pastor started to mentor me and gave me a chance to preach. And I realized um, there might be a gifting there that I should pursue. And about six months later, I vividly remember thinking, well, I don't have any money. I don't know what to do for education. I was just going to finish up my bachelor's and uh, get a teaching degree. And then uh, somebody in my church saw that I have a gifting and said, I'd like to um, help a little bit with some funding, just enough to get me wet my appetite that I could maybe have God provide the needs. And then all the way through school, I was able to get through with my master's degree debt-free. And to me, that was God's way of saying, I'm going to equip you. So uh, he, he gives you a call, and he equips you for that calling, and I was equipped at that. Um, so I would have not gone down these roads if people had not seen in me the, the potential and then pour into me as their mission project. Mm. And so I feel like to whom much has been given, much is required. And so I've been other people's mission project. Now I need to see all the other mission opportunities in the world. And so that's why I say at the beginning, the mission is everything to me. I feel we have a very strong missions department here no doubt why is that how does that happen from a pastor's perspective can you give me your view of missions in this church and its place and maybe why it's there i've been talking from the beginning of being um, here at watermark that i have one strong calling on my life as a pastor and it's to help each person find their calling I've used the language of holy disturbance. I believe that if, when you give your life to Christ, there's going to be a fire that burns within you. And you can either douse that and ignore it and run after still your own agenda. At that point, Jesus is just your Savior. He saved you from you know, the patterns of sin, right? He sets you free from sin. But it's about lordship. When you give your life to Jesus as Savior, um, you do get changed, but it's the Lordship that matters to me. And so there comes a point where when you say, wait a minute, I want all of Jesus. I want to give him all of my life. It's impossible for a fire not to burn within you. 
And so I want every single person within our church to find that burn, that holy disturbance, that which keeps you up at night. Uh, we're going through, at the time of this recording right now, we're going through heart check. And the whole point to that is that each person realizes and connects with these different opportunities to say, I want to be invested in that. I don't know why it is, but when I heard about this ministry, I want to go after it with all that I've got or all the ministries within the church, whatever it is, or outside of the church. And so that is who I am as a Christian, as a leader. Um, I just want to help 100% of our people in the church to find their calling. And what that means then is it will, it'll expand all sorts of opportunities for us. And um, so the more that we can expose and to reveal opportunities for mission and, and ministry around the church, um, people, all they have to do is say yes when they get that holy disturbance in their own heart. Absolutely. That's great. Are there any um, stories you think of when you think about kind of seeing those visions come alive for people, that dream come alive? Are there any come to mind? Yeah. Um, I know you've kind of been doing that for a long time and have a passion around that. Yeah, uh, there's nothing like it. When you watch their eyes open and they say, I get it. I want to go after that. Uh, initially, um, just one that happened just last year, Kim Smith, one of the people on our staff here, uh, her husband Brian and I were just hiking Chestnut Ridge, and he's just been really wrestling with, okay, what's he going to do with his life? And um, he said, I just love cars. I just love cars. And our car ministry just launched out of that to help single women, you know, so we have this car show because that's what he loves. So to have somebody's passion, I mean, how, and so I said to him, how can you not see God's hand in this? I mean, it's just, it's wonderful. And to have somebody who's just living life, going through the motions of, of everyday living, and then to see God intersect your passion and to turn it into a ministry. I mean, it got so big, the CDC got mad that it had to shut us down because <laughs> we had so many people that were coming out. Since you brought that up, what does that ministry, how does it work? What does it do? What's its purpose? Um, it's um, a car show that raises money, and that money is to, we ultimately dream of building a garage that will be a, a watermark garage for single women, widows, um, people that are in financial hardship. We can help fix their cars. And so we have some relationships with other businesses around the area that actually are, um, we've helped, I don't even know the numbers, it wasn't in my notes, I didn't plan ahead of time for this, but... Um, it's uh, it's been remarkable. To so we've been able to help a lot of people with their cars because you saw this potential. You mm-hmm. made the connection. Mm-hmm. Jesus yeah. loves you, and Pastor yeah. Ken has a plan for your life. So we we <laughs> uh, so we've been talking about fan uh, as a staff. Our job is to fan into flame. Because uh, I believe that we're here as staff to support and lift up the lay person. And when they meet the Lord, our first job is to introduce them to Jesus Christ. Second job is to then introduce them to their calling and their holy disturbance. And so I want us to fan into flame. So our commitment to the congregation is we will meet with you face to face. That's the F in fan. We'll ask you a lot of questions, just like you guys are doing with me right now. I want to hear your story. I want to know where you're coming from. Then I want to network you with people who have a similar passion. Then who knows what will come out of that? And it it births uh, mission all over the place and ministry opportunities like crazy. The first way I heard about you was actually because of you doing this for someone else. Hmm. Um, I was meeting with a guy who worked for Panera Bread, and uh, I was leading a network of small group pastors in Michigan, and I was meeting with him, and he he had mentioned you a couple times as someone who really saw him. He was really a great leader, but he was working at Panera, and you saw, you know, potential in him and fan those flames, and uh, he was 
I think at that point had just transitioned into full-time ministry and was just doing amazing things for the kingdom. So yeah. that was my first introduction to I you was, was that passion of yours, and <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate. Well, that. you live that way, and you get out of bed each day saying, God, what, how are you going to surprise us today? Yeah. There's never a boring day. I, I don't remember the last time I have felt boredom because every day God shocks me. If you just have a spirit of saying, God, I'm available, and I'm open, and I will um, share and inspire people to follow your calling on their life today, uh, there is nothing more life-giving. Um, so that's exciting. I'm just cool. That's great to hear. That's encouraging. Now, obviously, a lot of people connect to the church. They get involved with the church. But let's specifically talk about things that happen away from here, because that's where we have also a very big mark in connecting people to that. First of all, give me something about your experience and not being in the church, but away, whether it be a mission trip, something like that. Yeah, um, right after I met Christ, uh, our church was uh, going to Puerto Rico, and I said, I guess that as a missionary or as a Christian, I'm supposed to be on missions, and so I understood it to be, you go. Mm-hmm. And so I went, and I signed up for a trip to Puerto Rico, and we went, and that, that I didn't even do any research. I just said, I want to go, and I want to tell people about Jesus. And what that trip I didn't know was was actually digging trenches the whole time. Yeah. It was it was for sewage. It was I mean it was nasty. It's so gross and disgusting. And um, I read a book a while ago that I don't know if you've talked about this yet on the podcast, but um, the book When Helping Hurts. Uh, quite often when we go on mission, we think, okay, I'm the one who has all the wisdom. I'm going to go in and I'm going to change you. Uh, and I probably had that kind of arrogance like many people do. And these poor people, they're in so much dire straits. They're in poverty. Uh, it was in the heart of Puerto Rico. They weren't near a city. They were just, it was really horrible circumstances. And I, I came back from that place realizing I am a weak follower of Christ. Well, I was brand new, so I was really childish anyway. But the lady we were staying with, because we all stayed in different homes, very poor, of course, um, a lot of poverty, probably one of the richest ladies I ever met by the time I got done being there, as my frame of reference was flipped upside down, the upside down kingdom that we talk about. Um, uh, one morning for breakfast, I was looking over, and the, it was very simple food, it was rice and beans or something like that, and there were some ants going up the side of the wall, tons, I mean, thousands of ants just, and I, I said, uh, uh, Maria, um, you've got ants all over, and she said, isn't it beautiful? Those are God's <laughs> housekeepers. And uh, she, she said, they keep this house clean, and I think it's so beautiful that God sends housekeepers to help me. And uh, every night I would hear her pray, and she was praying just so loudly, just screaming uh, to the Lord, and uh, glory Dios. I mean, it was just gorgeous prayers, and it gives me chills to think about to this day. And um, that just exposed me to the fact that uh, I am uh, so naive and, and small in the story of God and realized that uh, that was the first time I had eyes that were opened. So as I think about the mission of, of our church and as we send people on mission to other locations, um, I know your guys' heart, and I, I know that as we've spoken, our desire is never to do harm and to go in arrogantly um, saying we know, um, but that we will go there humbly to serve, to understand their culture, and to meet them where they're at, um, to really do two things. One, 
um, to introduce Jesus to them and to serve them in any way and at the same time to see what Jesus wants to serve and show within us right. and that they might in retrospect serve us in response because they saw us being there as a chance for them to minister to us and um, it, it just changed my framework. Um, and so I believe God has opened up so many doors for Watermark to be on mission truly globally. And we've had, I mean, hundreds of people who have gone overseas. I think God keeps expanding that territory because we've had that humble spirit of teachability from the beginning. I think some of our people, like Denny, have added so much to the humility side of things. He absolutely. And he has. pours it in mm-hmm. when he's training. And you hear him talk about it, about coming alongside. He never talks in the parental way you know it's always how we can serve them and invariably the people that go come back thinking how much more they got out than what they were able to Mm -hmm. give because it's so rich and you know different people look at poverty in different ways but when you ask somebody that's in those situations it's basically having a voice they don't even look at their poverty in material ways it's i'm invisible i'm not seen that's how they feel and so when we can come over there and, and hear them and listen and uh, just hold their hand and give them presents, you know, they just, it, they just you know, lighten right up. It's wonderful. And people wonder what you have to do to be qualified to go. And, well, if you have a pulse, I mean, that's, that's, yep. that's one thing, and that's pretty much enough. But <laughs> also the humility, just go that's there right. saying whatever, however I can be used. I love that we train our people as well to think that way. And uh, that gives me a lot of confidence that when we say we're, we will um, send you on mission, we will do it with great integrity mm-hmm. um, from beginning to end. Yeah, That's been a part of the culture here for, I mean, 25 or 30 years since the first time I set foot in this church. And, I, you know, I remember being a probably middle school or high school kid hearing them talk about a mission trip and just talking about it really with that posture, which was different from other churches I've been a part of where it seems more like, you know, we're going to to bring what we have and fix them. And I think you're right that God is really, he honors that humility. And it's a beautiful thing to see the legacy that's being built for decades now, really. It's, it's amazing. Absolutely. Well said. How should somebody in this church look at missions? What do you want them to think of when they think of missions? The Great Commission of Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing and training them. So we are told to go. That word for go is a participle. It's not the primary part. As we've talked about many times, it's about making disciples. So um, that go, is that participle actually should literally be translated going. So it really literally translates wherever you are going, make disciples. So um, I love that our mission philosophy is that you're always on mission. When we come together for corporate worship, it's to just put our eyes on the Lord and to connect with him and to be filled with his spirit and then to remember we're not alone. But then when we're sent, we are sent out of our corporate time of worship, be it online right now or in person. You're sent then on mission um, in your family system, in your neighborhood, in your school system, in your workplace, uh, in the county. In the, um, and so you're always on mission. But you should always have a posture of openness to what the Spirit will say. So there will be some times where I would dare say at some point in everybody's journey, God is going to call them to step out of their comfort zone because we could stay within our very easy sphere of comfort. 
Um, but I'm convinced that the Lord will at some point, and that comfort zone might be going into Buffalo or it might be going into some other um, major situation around the country. Like another mission trip I did was in eastern Kentucky. It's the most poverty-stricken county in the country. And it, again, exposed um, me to all sorts of things. And other times God has sent me to Africa. I went to Kenya and went to the northern part of of Kenya and um, saw things that... um, I mean, when they gave, I was the guest of honor, and they cut up a goat, and they gave me parts of the goat that I don't even want to say. (laughs) I got sick on it the next day, but it was an honor, you know, to them. So I received it and entered in humbly to their culture. Um, Each of those were uh, were comfort zone moments where um, God just took me, and I just said, yes, and I'm open. And I, I just would pray that our entire congregation would have a spirit of saying, yes, I'm on mission wherever I go. And that might be that you see something on TV that reminds you of, uh, for example, I did a a trip to Guatemala one time on mission, and it was very complicated to get up. We were at a place called Chichi Castanango. It's in the middle of nowhere. You have Just to, over the hill from absolutely just, nowhere. Exactly. <laughs> and um, we had connected with Guatemala through, I'd heard it on a radio commercial, uh, saw it in a testimony from somebody, heard it again. Like God brought it up five different times. And at that time, we were actually trying to adopt from Guatemala. So um, the door opened, and we just said, yes. So to have a a spirit of, I'm open to listening to God's voice, I believe God will speak to every single one of us and send us strategically what our personality needs, what training we need, what we have to offer the world. God will, like chess pieces, strategically send each one of us to unique places on mission anywhere in the globe. Nothing is off-limits including in our local church, like when I'm looking for people and trying to recruit or whatever, you see people in, this, in the church that are on, in tune to when somebody new comes in the church. That's, well a, that's a great opportunity, and it's yeah. a way to risk without really risking because you're in your own home turf, but you look and you, you can have that opportunity to... And that may be the first step of courage mm-hmm. to cross over that comfort zone and say, I'm going to talk to somebody that I've never met before. I'm shy. They're wearing, now, they're wearing a mask, I'm wearing a mask. I don't even know if they're smiling at me or sticking their tongue out at me. That's courage for them. Especially if you haven't seen them before and they're new, because they're here for a reason. You know, they're, they're looking, they're searching. And, well said. And looking for those opportunities. My goal is to get everybody activated, get everybody from uh, the pew into the population of the world somewhere. And uh, let me ask you another question that comes up. When people say, why are you going out to Buffalo and why do you want to go overseas? Why do you want to do all this as a church when there's so much need right here? How do you approach that? If God calls, you you have to answer. It, it frustrates me when people make excuses. That's simply an excuse. That's frankly what I just talked about with courage. Um, that's hiding. Let me say it in a couple of ways. I, I would say we've become very gluttonous as Christians from a, we saturate ourselves with information. And so we've got all of this uh, wonderful teaching. There are podcasts everywhere. There's all sorts of online worship services. There's so much phenomenal teaching in America. Um, it's um, only healthy if you, if you exercise that information and you reproduce. And so the, one of the phrases I say from, from time to time, even in the pulpit, <laughs> get off your blessed assurance <laughs> and, and go and serve and be available. And... Um, again, what I said in the beginning, to whom much is given, much is required. And so if God prompts you, um, don't use that as a crutch or an excuse, saying there's plenty of needs around here. 
well, yeah, but your personality and your giftings and your, your um, uh, experience in life very well may be exactly what God needs for, you know, Heart for Lebanon and our connections there or what we're doing in Africa with Poetis or India Gospel League. Um, as we have these different connecting points globally, we, we're now introducing Haiti as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if there's a prompting in your heart, um, I, I talked about this when I first got here. It's called the 10-second rule. Uh, quite frequently, God will speak, and the first voice you hear typically is the voice of God. If you don't answer that with some prompting of agreement in your heart within the first 10 seconds, you're going to make excuses not to. Hmm. Well, you know, there, there's more needs here in the U.S. Uh, well, it, you'd be a fool if you go, it's dangerous, it's scary to travel, you never know what could happen, and so you make these excuses. And that second voice is either your fear or sometimes the enemy who just wants to divide your thoughts. And so the 10-second rule matters to me. If you get a prompting and your heart quickens and you sense, I'm the one who's being tapped on the shoulder to go on this mission trip, then um, I, I better at least make an a, agreement in my heart. I'm going to talk to Randy about that. I'm going to talk to Dan or Connor about, about that because I, I, I want to follow up on what God is doing in my heart. Um, so I believe all of those times you hear that, that you just mm-hmm. described, those are just excuses. I think so too. Now when you see people go, you see people come back. What happens to people when they go from your perspective and they come back? Well, it's the reason I don't give them a microphone when they get back because they, they can't stop talking. They're, all, they're always changed. You can't stay the same. You're, you're fundamentally changed because uh, you have just realized you're not the center of the universe. If you're struggling with pride, if you're struggling with greed, if you're struggling with um, selfishness, uh, frankly, if you're feeling down and like gloomy about life, um, a lot of times that's just because you're looking at yourself. When you look at yourself, you, you're prone to just have a more negative spirit. But when you look up away from yourself and you serve in such a dramatic fashion, um, you just get transformed. I would dare say, and I've seen thousands of people that I've seen through the years, I would say I've never seen anyone come back who hasn't been changed in the framework of their life and how they identify in this world. Because it kind of wrecks you for normal it in wrecks a good you, way. Yeah, it, it wrecks you for normal. That's a fantastic way to say it. You're never the same again. Yeah, and you don't want to be. Yeah, when you, it's like when you touch a flame. You can't chemically ever, if I took this pen and I bent it or burned it, it can never go back to the way it was because it's been touched by the, and that's, our God is a consuming fire. Okay, now just a fun question here. You've been to many places. I'm going to send you, you have to spend a year somewhere else that you've been. Where would you go? Well, this is going to go on another topic, but uh, it's to, okay. to Israel. Okay. <laughs> go ahead. We've had two Israel trips canceled because of COVID for now, or at least postponed. And um, every time I'm there, I, you see Jews and, and you see, obviously, the Palestinians and, and the Muslims that are praying toward Mecca. And you just see the heart of all these religions coming together. And, um, and then you watch Jesus just dying for all of them and dying to know them. And you go into the empty tomb and you, you walk into the different um, pieces of property and you realize it's from here that we were told to go to the ends of the earth. Um, I would spend my entire life on that on that small piece of dirt. I mean, it's smaller than New Jersey. <laughs> wow. It's, it's, but from there, it was the crossroads of the world because um, that is, um, I believe, the thumbprint of God. So... I just have a deep passion for it, personally.
Oh, that's great. The thing I notice when you're, they call it hot culture, is the relational is so much more than our consumerism here. Very and true. The relationships are so deep, and you can get one so quick over there, and it's like yeah, we're relationship-starved, I think. We're yeah. in poverty of relationship because in so many places I've been, it's like they just get that so right. much. Yeah, I, we have to realize that Christianity is a Middle Eastern, if you will, you can go even further, an Eastern culture, yeah. um, which is all about relationship and interconnectedness to each other. And so this um, independence that we celebrate and fight for and die for as a country, um, that is off mission from the heart of Jesus. So not we kingdom. Are, it's not kingdom. It's we are wired for interdependence and um, when we fight against that, and so I'm, I'm all for. I'm proud to be an American. I'm proud to be in our country. I'm grateful for the freedoms, um, but uh, the, these freedoms should be channeled toward, because um, again, to whom much is given, much is required. Um, I should be using this freedom to do exactly what we're talking about here, to be on mission, on point, to reach the world for Christ in any and all different ways that we've described. And I think it, it so much is about building relationships. That's the first. A lot of people think we just go and we just kind of dump this gospel on them and whatever but if we go there and we go for coffee and, and even here you know anywhere is start relating to people because we love them because that's what God called us to do it's a it's a whole different mindset than I'm going to go save the world no go relate well that's a great point Randy that's what I love about um, we believe in community transformation so we keep going back to the same places year after year and that's what I've right from the beginning that was my first question to our outreach and mission team is um, what is our philosophy and it is to keep these deep relationships so that we understand them first and foremost and then understand what they need so that we can best help serve them and train them if need be and uh, give in whatever way that we can um, so that they are fundamentally changed as a people, mm -hmm. um, not that we just jump in, do our thing, and jump out. Uh, that kind of leads me to this next question here. You've been here now for a number of years, and you've seen some of the investment we've made over a longer period of time. What has been the result of having that longer, deeper relationship in some of the spots that we serve? I knew uh, immediately that we were on the right track uh, in our outreach and mission department. When I talked to Trevor when I first got here, uh, as he introduced me not to brochures and ministries, he introduced me to people. And so I immediately met Sam Stevens, Maher uh, from Heart for Lebanon, Abby and John from Poetis. Uh, these people are interconnected. It's just what we were describing in this interconnectedness uh, so that there is a depth of, I know you. Um, for example, when there was the um, explosion in Lebanon, we immediately got word from a person who we love deeply. He was a brother in Christ. And so we were able to not just um, send emails back and forth about the big picture. We were able to hear how is your team and what can we do specifically so we were able to go in and because of those depths of the relationship if you think of it like a, a plant we were able to go right to the root system and give the proper nutrients to help it sustain through these tough times that's what i'm so proud of in our we mission. didn't have to wonder if we were going to send resources there that they were going to get to the right places correct because no you're red giving tape. It right there boom right and so uh, i'm so deeply proud of uh, every penny that we give which is millions of dollars of pennies <laughs> and dollars that just go in uh, instant um, fruit right 
and we're seeing now so much in, in all those places. It's a different place now if you go there than it was, and we had a big part to play in that because we were connected to the right Maybe they're the people of peace it talks about when the, they send out the mission. Find the people of peace. I think Denny and Trevor and Paul and John yeah. and Nancy and all those that went before me, they found the person of peace and connected well, and the results are amazing. Yeah. I mean, multiplication at its yeah, best. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. so excited about uh, just getting over there. It's going to be great. That's great. Um, Ken, before we wrap up, I'm kind of curious. We have people, you know, at various stages of, of kind of their involvement here at Watermark. Um, and, and at other churches if they're listening, but specifically to our Watermark church family, you know, we have people maybe that uh, are serving and love our church but haven't been overseas. They haven't served maybe even in, in Buffalo. And then you have people maybe that, that uh, just don't have any real thought about that at all. Uh, what would you say to those folks who haven't engaged yet in any sort of mission trip at all? A deeper level of Christianity is when you understand that the ministry and mission are different. And I know I've intertangled those words throughout this interview, but a ministry frequently is with, it serves the body of Christ, typically. A mission is when it goes outside of the walls of the church family and it's on mission sense there. To me, it, it, it feels like a well-rounded Christian is somebody who serves the body and then goes and because what I found when you serve the body, it actually fills you with more love. It's like the principle of the tithe. You can't outgive God. You, you just start to serve, and before you know it, you say, I'm just filled up. I just, I like my life. There's a, because you're not focused on yourself, you're focused on serving other people. And so there's an, there's an abundance of filling that happens. And then that overflow, when you're filled with that love of God because you've been serving, it just, that's the overflow that you say, I can now I give in to mission. And um, you think about mission, from the beginning, God didn't have to create us in, in essence, but in another way, he did, because God is love, and love is only good if it's given away. So from the beginning, God is love. <laughs> What good is love if it's not given? So God desired to create in his own image, and he creates us. What a miracle and a gift that is for the sole purpose of giving that love away. And so God, think about this, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Father gives us the Son for an answer. Jesus was sent. God sends the Son. And then the Son sends the Spirit to us. And the Spirit sends us on mission. When you embrace that, you're actually in the flow of how you're created, made in the image of God, and God is a sender. And so that's why we described earlier, when a person is on mission, I've never seen somebody come back and not be changed because they're living in the essence of how they were created. And, and so I watch frequently people in the church that stay, it goes back to what I said just a little while ago, when you stay within your comfort zone, the person that you're describing right now, Dan, I'm hoping they're hearing this and saying, Ugh, I've been plugging my ears. I've been uh, hiding under my blanket, a uh, spiritual blanket of safety. Uh, and I thought it was courageous just to come back to church wearing a mask. And, um, but I, they, they know as they hear my voice deep down, 
that that's still not the courage God is calling them to. They, they've been filled to overflowing. That overflow needs to be on mission throughout the world. And uh, as they listen to these podcasts and the different ways we describe the mission opportunities coming in the weeks and months and years to come, uh, I hope that they'll hear the prompting of the Holy Spirit and have the courage to say, okay, now he's sending me. The Father sent the Son, the Son sent the Spirit, the Spirit sent me. It's my job now to join in that flow, to be sent and to say yes and to stay in that beautiful flow of the Spirit. Um, and when they do, um, they're going to just come alive. So I hope they have the courage to be willing to say yes to those promptings uh, and to maybe start the conversation with us. That's great. Amen. Well, one thing you, you said there, Ken, and, and thank you for sharing that. That's great to hear your heart. And I... Randy and I both hope and pray that people do the same because that's a big part of the heart behind why we're doing this podcast in the first place. You, you mentioned kind of the relationship within the Trinity there, and I think that's really compelling. And I know most of our listeners, uh, both of our listeners, maybe I should say, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. How many, for you guys, a lot of how work for you too. Other. But uh, a, a book you you had mentioned uh, recently was Ministry in the Image of God by Stephen Siemens, and uh, that was a really transformative book for me. So if any listeners are interested in that concept, if that kind of sparks something uh, in you, that would be a great book to check out. We'll put the and when we'll, helping hurts that he mentioned earlier. When helping hurts is great. Yeah, we'll put the books uh, we referenced in the episode notes. Um, Ken, I know you're a very busy guy. You have. Uh, you lead a large church and uh, have, you know, a big family and uh, are in demand as a coach for church leaders, pastors, churches all over the, really probably worldwide. Um, so thank you so much for taking the time to, to spend with us today and very invest grateful. in our audience. So Yeah, we're very, very, very grateful. Thank you Thank you, so you for much. the opportunity. This is great. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today on uh, this episode of the Reach and Teach podcast. See you next time.